Hello and welcome to Wibbly Wobbly Chatty Batty, the ultimate Doctor Who rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Dean, and every single damn week I'm joined by the the Doctor Who fanatic, the co-host, and the nuisance. Shall we just jump straight into it? Yes, let's jump off that trampoline and go. Every week we start the podcast with a sentence summary, which is basically a sentence that summarises the episode, but we do one each. So it's two sentence summaries for the price of one podcast. Andrew, what is your sentence summary? If you thought the chase was intense, think again, because the Daleks are in control of human game shows now, and things are about to get super nasty. Wow, our sentence summaries are quite similar, but instead of complimenting a good uh, quiz show, I've insulted a bad one. You thought Tipping Point was bad? Wait until you see these game shows. I don't think I've ever seen Tipping Point to be that judgmental about it, but I won't take your word for it because you hate Mickey and that's wrong. Have you got some general information that you'd like to share with us? Wow, you're being so presumptuous about information that I may or may have because I do have it. Okay, so this episode was written by the showrunner, the the man and the legend, all three in one, Russell T. Davis. And it was directed by Joe Ahern, who's directed a couple episodes before, Father's Day, Dalek, Boomtown, and then this episode and the second part of it. So I would assume just this this production block, just like Keith Boak did uh, for the first production block, it got a 37.92% audience share and it was broadcast on the 11th of June, 2005. Now, my question is, what were you doing on the 11th of June, 2005? Well, it was a crazy day for me, but I don't think we've got time for a story about a shark, a middle-aged man, and lycra. So, you tell me what happened on that day. Okay, I'll tell you what happened that in that day. In 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 2 and a half, 1, 1, 1 2. So I, I, I actually, well, you want to hear what happened in that episode? Nothing. I couldn't find anything interesting that happened on that day at all whatsoever i've been looking for ages apart from one thing which might interest you episode 12 of series one of doctor who came out and i think this is a good segue to talk about that episode of doctor who aka called bad wolf a rough woof woof take it away andrea a rough 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 to you too dean i have some fun facts for our listeners and for you my co-host dean a working title, we do love our alternative and working titles here. A working title for the episode was Game Show World. And for promotion, the episode was referred to as the Parting of the Ways Part 1, as to not give away that they were going to allow further insight into the story arc that is Bad Wolf. What do you make of those two titles? Game Show World is dumb, stupid, glad it was just a working title, so it was never going to be used. But it sounds like something bad from the year 2005. It is a very 2005 name. Parting of the Ways, part one. I don't have much of an opinion, but, you know, that is what it is. Bad Wolf is the best of the three options, uh, as they usually are. Very well said. Yes, I like this title. 
and the story arc itself. Another fun fact for you. It was expected that Anne Robinson would turn down the invitation to record her lines as the android, and a voice impersonator was actually hired because of this assumption. But Anne being... Well, I don't know what Anne's like, but who would turn down Doctor Who? So she accepted, and I guess that impersonator just got very sad and was unneeded. And the rest is history. Next fun fact. When the Dalek fleet is revealed, the music playing includes a chorus singing What is Happening in Hebrew, which I think is very apt. That's quite funny. I feel like they were just putting random words into Hebrew to see what sounded good to be sung on, I don't know, would Google Translate been used in 2005? No, they were still using, they were still using cave drawings back then, Dean. I think they were using Yahoo Translate, if I had to guess. Sounds apt for 2005. Yahoo! Five? Whoa. Wow. Yahooza. Another fun fact, Torchwood is first mentioned here in this episode during The Weakest Link. It's an answer to a question about an old Earth Institute. What do you think of that fun fact? I noticed it, and I don't know if I've noticed it before, and I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting, already setting up the arc of the next series before it's even began. I wonder if that was the plan, or Russell T. Davis was a bit like, huh, just going to go back to that and see if there's anything I can pull. Or it was a very late addition to the script, because I imagine that would be the answer. Good job, Russell. End of sentence. That was a good end of sentence. And finally... Just to add some colour to our podcast, Captain Jack's buttocks were originally going to be shown during his sequence with Trini and Susanna, the robots. But the BBC editors decided ultimately against this and therefore we don't see John Barrowman's butt. What a shame. What a shame. I had a feeling you'd say that. Are you ready to go on to trivia? I am, but first... I feel like I need to address this. I'm in a weird mood, so if I say weird things, that's why. I feel like I can't go this entire time without addressing the fact that I'm going to be doing some weird stuff. Okay, let's go on to the next section. In this section, every week, Andrew and I like to present trivia to each other and the audience at home in the form of a lovely little fun, no pressure, quiz and this week andrew has prepared a quiz for big old dean so please andrew take it away i don't know why you're thinking there won't be any pressure because quite frankly dean if you get any of these questions wrong you will be disintegrated you are the weakest link goodbye question one which of the following is not a question asked during the weakest link a in biology which blood cells contain iron red or white b in literature the author of lucky was jackie who c in history who was president of the rasakalarian republic d in geography the grand central ravine is named after which ancient british city or e in maths what is 258 minus 158? Okay, so I recognise some of those questions. Some of them I'm not too sure on, but I know the answer because I'm intelligent. And I remember Roderick being asked a question, which was, I think it was, who was the president of the 
red velvets or something like that. I don't think there'd be two questions which started with who is the president of, so I'm going to say who is the president of whatever the flip you said. That was annoyingly faultless logic and you completely ruined my day. Question two. Attempting to leave the Big Brother house, the Doctor discovers that the place is deadlock sealed. In which classic episode was a deadlock seal first referenced? A. The War Games, 1969 B. The Nilurians, 1970 C. Colony in Space, 1971 D. Day of the Daleks, 1972 E. The Green Death, 1973 I'm channeling my brain energy right now to try and pull a guess out of the air and I'm going to say the first one, which was whatever, the war games, was it? That is even more annoying because you got it right and you didn't even remember completely what option A was and you're half-hearted and you looked half asleep whilst making that assumption. And yes, it was the war games. So in 1969, Patrick Troughton's last Doctor Who story. That's when a deadlock seal was first referenced in Doctor Who. Wow. I guess guessing is the real victory here. What's the next question? Question three. This episode is obviously named Bad Wolf after the series' story arc. Prior to this episode, how many references have there been to this phrase? A. Seven. B. Eight. C. Nine. D. Ten. E. Eleven. See this, my friend. Is the 12th episode, and I feel like I'd be incorrect if I said there was one per episode, but I feel like there was almost one per episode, so I won't go as low as 7 or 8, but I think oh, it would be 9 or 10. E, I'm going to go 9. It's actually 8, and I was very surprised when I saw that. I thought it would be more too. Wow, that's just rude. Next question. Russell T. Davis originally intended for the controller to be a mentally enhanced teenage boy. What would his name have been? A. Liam B. Daniel C. Richard D. Edward or E. Benjamin See, I feel like a lot of those names are either not for teenagers like Richard or for dumb people like Benjamin. If you're called Ben, you're not mentally enhanced, mate. Whoa, where did that come from? If we've got a listener called Ben, I sincerely apologise for his poor behaviour. Well, I'm not saying you're dumb, I'm just saying you're not mentally enhanced. I'm going to go over Edward, because that sounds like a smart person name to me. Oh, you'd be right again. See, my logic works. Obviously, Benjamin is a, pers- is a name for people who are stupid and are dumb and have no friends. You know, Edward, big smart boy. I thought Richard sounded intelligent too, but... But Richard isn't a name you'd give a teenager in 2005, would be my argument. Well, to be honest, you'd probably give it to a baby first. I'm going to give you a kick up the bum. Next question, please. What was the answer to the following weakest link question? In the pan-traffic calendar, which month comes after whoob? A. Pan-ledger B. Panguin C. Panhalla D. Panoob Or E. Pandoff 
A lot of them sound like fake words that people have made up. A lot of them is, and I know it's not penguin, pan no, pang who no. Um, oh, say them again, please. Pan ledger, a. Eh? No, that doesn't seem right. B, penguin. That's definitely not right. C, panhalla. That, that sounds stupid. D, panu. That's definitely stupid. Or E, pandoff. They all sound stupid. Handoff sounds like saying handoff. That that's got nothing to do with anything. But I'm going to go pandoff. What is it with your logic today? Yes, it is pandoff, and I found it hard to keep a straight face saying penguin because it sounded like Benedict Cumberbatch saying penguin. Penguin. That is not the end of trivia, despite what you may be thinking. Oh my golly gosh! Is it bonus question time? It is, despite the fact that we don't award any points and therefore the whole concept is completely futile. Andrea, bonus question time. Time for bonus question. It's Andrea's bonus question time. She's got a bonus question for 14. Go ahead. Now we've played our jingle on the little soundboard I have here. You can go ahead and ask it. Yes, it was totally pre-recorded. Bonus question. What was the name, I'm expecting you to know this by the way, what was the name of the 2005 Big Brother winner? A. Anthony Hutton B. Eugene Sully C. Craig Coates D. Kamal Shahin or E. Vanessa Leighton McIntosh I'm going to be honest, I've never seen a single episode of Me neither. Big Brother apart from the 2005 final. What? That's a joke. <laughs> I, I did get that. I didn't actually think that like two, three-year-old you was like, oh, I want to see who's evicted last. Can you give me all of their first names again, please? A, Anthony. B, Eugene. C, Craig. D, Kamal. E, Vanessa. I feel like... I feel like if you win Big Brother, you probably have a bit of a douchey name, so I'm going to go with Craig, because I feel like the name Craig annoys me because it makes me think of Americans saying Craig. Craig. That's weird logic. And it hasn't helped you actually this time. It was actually a Anthony Hutton. He was the 2005 winner of Big Brother. But weirdly enough, actually two years later, he was disintegrated. So not exactly worth winning that program. I don't, I feel like we should tell our listeners I don't, I don't think that's true. No, no, it says on Wikipedia, if you, if you go look it up, 2005 winner. Anybody can edit Wikipedia, Andrew, have your teachers told you nothing? I'm gonna not answer that question. I think it is time. For our next section, let's go. Every week, Angie and I like to go for our standout moments for the episode, and that's definitely Wait, what we're doing. No, no, Dean, don't, Dean. Have I been a silly goose? You have been a very silly goose, and you're not getting out of this section that way. Well, why don't you tell me what this bloody section is? Theatre of the mind. I think you know what it is. It is, of course, our plot and setting section where every week we force Dean, although I think he kind of enjoys it, he's a bit egotistical, so it works. He enjoys giving us a little 
insight into the plot's episode, and of course he will be talking about Bad Wolf, so take it away. The Doctor wakes up, and there's music playing. Music you would recognise if you enjoy reality television in the 2000s. Oh my, it's Big Brother, but it's not the Big Brother house you know. No, because it's futuristic. And Linda's there, Linda with a Y. And he's like, what am I doing here? And she's like, you're randomly teleported here. And then Rose wakes up and it's the weakest link. And she's like, whoa, this is like the weakest link. But instead of having Anne here, who we all know, love there's a robot Anne who i might learn to love but i won't love her straight away i need to learn how to do it captain jack wakes up and he's like wow where am i and two robots are there and they're like we are here to sort out your fashion and he's like wow is there something wrong with the way i dress and they're like wow maybe sort it out so they start dressing and it's all hunkered hunkered dory and that's that's that but the the person in in big brother who got evicted actually got murdered that's what evicted means you get evicted from life and the doctor's like this ain't no good and they must have brought me here on purpose because ain't nobody teleporting me out of my tardis so he makes himself get evicted and he goes into the chamber they're like you're gonna die but he's like ah but i know they won't kill me because they want me here for some reason so he's standing there going I, I did something physical there. And he stood there and he's waiting to be killed and they don't kill him and he escapes and he's out on the satellite. And wow, what's that? It's the satellite from the long game. Isn't that a bit of a bloody plot twist? And meanwhile, Captain Jack is being attacked a lot by mean people, by the robots, and he kills them because he had a gun tied up his arsehole. And then <laughs> and he kills the robots and he escapes and meets the Doctor and Linda with a Y, who I should say join the Doctor. And meanwhile, Rose is one of the last two contestants on The Weakest Link where the losers are getting killed. And then she's about to get killed and the Doctor arrives to save her and then she gets disintegrated. But she's not actually disintegrated, it's fine. And then they go to the main room and there's a woman there and they're like, so many game shows on this ship and I control them all. But there's no ulterior motives. And the doctor's like, what are the ulterior motives? And she's like, my masters have been using me and I, I know they're scared of you, so I brought you here. And he's like, who are your masters? And she's like, bleh, I'm dead. And then Rose isn't dead. She was teleported. But where was she teleported to? The ship of the Daleks. She's with the Daleks. <laughs> she's with the Daleks. So, yeah, she's with the Daleks and the Doctor's like, I'm going to kill you, Daleks. And the Daleks like, you and what army? And he's like, oh, you're scared of me because I don't have an army. And they're like, yeah, fair enough. Exterminate. And then the episode ends. Thank you for listening. Thank you for ending that. That was pretty horrific. But all the same, thank you for prancing around, doing your bit speaking about the episode and completing our plot i should probably clarify i have been for the first time prancing around while doing that plot section it's quite something to watch yeah i'm glad i only have one more of these left of the series and i might just decide not to do that anyway let's go on to our next section Welcome to the standout moment section of the podcast where Andrew and I go through our standout moments in a section of the podcast. My first standout moment is the opening. Start right at the very beginning. 
the doctor wakes up where is he it's a mystery and it's kind of funny it's kind of scary mysterious mostly what do you think I think it's a good moment, especially the shot of him in, I don't know what that is, a lift or something, and he's spinning, and you get the loud music of the Big Brother theme tune straight away, and it's completely the opposite of everything we've come to expect of Doctor Who, classic and revival. It's very modern, well, very 2005 now, obviously, but it seems quite modern. Obviously, this is an episode that, in a way, part of its charm is that it captures British culture at that time, those programs aren't around or at least aren't as popular nowadays. So it's a little artifact in itself. And before that, I like it because, yes, you see your summary of the long game and we don't like that episode. But viewers must have been thinking, this was a while back now. What's it got to do with anything? You wouldn't expect from watching the long game that it would carry some sort of heftier significance later on in the series and so that moment when the title card saying 100 years later flashes up it's quite chilling because it turns an episode that we weren't fans of into quite a significant episode and you wonder how is it connected what did we miss when we watched the long game why was it called the long game and of course this episode offers the answer yeah that's very well put thank you I think it's an interesting episode out of all of them to choose to revisit. Obviously, they chose it expecting it to be a good episode because I don't think they went, oh, let's go make a bad episode of Doctor Who, even though it really seems like they did that when you watch the episode. But that's besides the point. What I'm trying to say is out of all these episodes of the series, if you don't consider the visual effects, I think this is definitely the most dated episode. But I don't know if that's really much of a problem. I don't think it's a problem for me. I'm not going to hide it. This is my favourite episode of the series thus far. And I like how it's reminiscent of a time that isn't too far away, but already feels it because of progressions and regressions in our culture. Yeah, I get what you mean. I wonder what it'd be like if they revisited this concept in an episode more recently, like they'd have the chase, they'd have pointless. I don't know what else you could do. I feel like with the chase you'd have it where the chaser is like a cannibal and they're literally getting one step closer to you. And then for pointless, you know, if you don't get a pointless answer, you're dead. <laughs> it's called pointless because life is pointless. That's what they'd probably say as the joke. Uh, just like this podcast, an exercise in futility. My next standout moment is the doctor consoling Linda with a Y when she's like oh do they like me on the outside and obviously the doctor with no idea says oh they all think you're sweet dead sweet which is such a which is such a to use the same word such a sweet dead sweet moment of the doctor showing that he he cares about this person he's never met before and he's trying to console them we're also introduced to linda in a very sympathetic way we want the doctor to say that people like her because she seems so innocently worried about the perception of her from viewers and it's a very endearing scene it's not a scene that we really get with the doctor and rose interestingly we don't get that soft moment in the first episode of this series which i'm not criticizing i love the episode but it's sort of a sort of tenderness that we didn't see between him and rose at least for a long time whereas he immediately 
extends that warmth to Linda, which obviously builds her up. I know this is character's territory, but it builds her up as a could-be companion, which obviously becomes very crucial to her character development over this two-parter. Yeah, that's very intelligently put. I think, as you said, what worked so well with Linda is because her first line here is worrying what other people think of her, especially people she hasn't met, which I think is a very relatable thing for every human on, on the planet. Have you got a standout moment to share with me and all our friends, aka the audience? I do have a standout moment. It's the introduction of The Weakest Link. Rose is so confused. She's worried about how she got here. She's wanting to go and find the Doctor and Captain Jack. Roderick's there and like doesn't understand how she can't have any concept of how she's appeared in these games. And of course, the game's actual identity is withheld from us, much like the information is unknown to Rose for a while. And it's that moment I particularly love where she stands at her panel, I guess you could call it that. And she's like, wait a second, this looks like... And then the lights go up, the director's like, we're going to go to action pretty soon, or whatever, director words. And you see the android, and Rose goes, hang on, the android. And it's such a funny moment, a really good gag that pays off extremely well from Russell T Davis. I do have one mild complaint about this moment, which I think you've already said you disagree with. And I think they do the android joke a little too on the nose. Like you could have just left it as calling her android every now and then, but you just get a close up on Rose going, an droid. An droid. Because her name's Anne and it's an android. That's why it's funny. Like I think it kind of killed the joke a bit for me. Maybe she didn't need to say it twice. I did actually note that as maybe something that made it too obvious, trying to appeal to those that wouldn't have got the joke instantly. But I still think her pointing it out works because it could be too subtle otherwise. I know that's just a difference in maybe what appeals to us humour-wise, but I thought it worked. What do you think of Fitch's death? Yeah, it's all right. I think it's played a bit too much for laughs when you could have done it as a much darker moment of Rose laughing all the way up and then people are like, why are you laughing? I feel like with a concept like this, you could have delivered it with a bit more of a punch than how they did it. That's an interesting stance you take there, but I personally feel that whilst Rose's laughter is funny at first during the game when we don't know how dark it's going to get, it's actually one of the contributing factors to the sinister scene that unravels when Fitch dies because she's laughing at a woman that's effectively been sentenced to death and that Rose has played a part in sentencing to death. And so I think it's quite effective because I was reading uh, The Writer's Tale by Russell T. Davis. It's a great book. I'd implore all of our listeners to go buy it, read it. It's fantastic, a great insight into the production of Doctor Who, but enough plugging. But the point is, in this, he was saying how he always writes tragedy and comedy alongside rather than two different genres because, just like life, they are intertwined. So I feel like this is a good, if not very extreme, example of that. I do think that 
Crosby's death in the Big Brother house is maybe a bit more effective. It's still, Fitch's death is still very interesting and dark, but the Big Brother death, the Doctor is so sarcastic. And so I think that it reflects what humanity has become in a much darker light. And so it works. And the Doctor's reaction when the music stops, when the disintegrator beam has gone off and Crosby's, well, we think she's dead. His reaction to that, it slows down the end of the scene and you sort of absorb the shock with him. And he starts to realise that humanity is messed up. Yes, humanity gets infatuated with reality TV shows and he's bored with that and rolling his eyes at that but there's actually something much more serious and threatening at play here yeah i get what you mean that moment is executed better but i think there's still a problem that they they chose for christopher eccleston's doctor to be too just relaxed in the start of that just like completely slumped on the sofa i think it's very unlike that doctor but i figured out my problem with the i'm not saying it's bad i figured out my problem with the um fitch's death compared to what i said originally and i think it's just how they don't really address this a lot and just after a second of shock rose just seems to get on with the game show and have a fun doing it and like not be too bothered about everyone else's death and is still voting for people to be killed you do get roderick's explanation however saying something like you play or you die, something something like that. And so you do get the impression that Rose from that moment on tries to zone out to the emotional side because it's fighting for your own survival. And yes, that might be quite uncharacteristic of her, but plot-wise, you need her to stay there longer to have that moment with her and the Doctor towards the end. Yeah, I do. I just have a bit of a problem with her just so seemingly casually voting for people to get out and like when the uh i don't know their name when one of the people dies she turns to roderick and quite casually asks oh why did you vote for them as if it was just normal the weakest link and that person wasn't just killed see i read that differently i think she says it in quite a traumatized way yeah i suppose it's just i i don't like the fact that she's still just happily voting for people from what that that is a good point it's something that moral wise is overlooked when considering her character but plot wise it's kind of necessary do you have another standout moment yeah i like the bad wolf montage we get when rose is a bit like bad wolf and then the time vortex like it's very 2005 but it's a good moment of clips being played over the opening credits um of everyone mentioning bad wolf it's pretty good stuff Yeah, I love that moment too. It's the moment when the story arc, which has been placed in several episodes very subtly, and it's when it all comes together. And you do get a bit of a foreshadowing of this moment in Boomtown that we both really liked, as we said last week. And this is just an even better version of that. And I like how they prove to the spectator look it's been here all along we're not just creating something suddenly this is where we've used it this is where you've maybe missed it and been very passive spectators it's in your face but effective 
Yeah, it's good. It's good. I'm just really disappointed we didn't get a return of the mocks of Balhoon talking to the face of Bo in that moment. Are you, though? No. My next standout moment is the whole scene with Captain Jack, which we haven't talked about much. I think it is quite funny with some weird moments that kind of make me feel uncomfortable. But it's good. It's good. I like it. It's quite funny. I think that's the humour highlight of the episode for me. Yeah, he's just having a nice time. Well, until they try to take his face off with a chainsaw type thing. He's having a really nice time enjoying himself flirting with them robots. It's a real contrast to the main storyline and what you need from a subplot in a heavier, darker, more intriguing episode. It's some light relief. Yeah, what's your next standout moment? It's a small moment, but I'd have to say it's when Linda asks or rather says, I could come with you when talking to the doctor. It's an innocent, sweet... These are words that we keep saying about Linda already, which I think really identifies the type of character she is. But it's an innocent moment from her where she doesn't really understand his world yet. She just understands that he's a rebellious sort of person who offers more excitement and a way out you got any moments you want to talk about? Because I feel like I've jabbered on a bit. A moment I find quite interesting later on is Rose's uh, quote-unquote death. Because I don't know how we're supposed to read it. To me, it feels like they're trying to convince us that she's actually dead, which obviously I don't think I would have believed for a second if I was watching it at the time because it was so sudden and there was no hoo-ha about it like there is with every other death in Doctor of 10 minutes of saying goodbye and everything, if you know what I mean. I feel like it's just, I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying it's a weird way to take the scene of trying to show us that, oh yeah, she's actually dead and showing this Doctor angry but then trying to get us to be relieved when it's revealed she's still alive because I don't think if I was watching it at the time I would have bought it. That's interesting. I wonder if some people did because it's the first episode of a series finale. Or I might be completely wrong. I like a continuation of that. This moment of the Doctor wielding this big old gun and I'm watching it thinking, what's he doing that big old gun and why isn't it being addressed? Because I feel like this Doctor still has much more of possible violent tendencies than future Doctors we see. And I see him with that big gun and I kind of wouldn't have been surprised if he did choose to use it which obviously didn't and it's paid off as a joke i think a really strong moment for christopher eccleston is when they go oh but you're holding a gun and he just passes it to them and he goes ask them a question and then he goes but i'm holding your gun and he goes go on shoot me then i think it is quite funny because he's just so he's so sarcastic and he's so overconfident that i think it works quite well very good point and eccleston does seem more inclined violence you're right not the actor the, the character we should say oh yes of course we're not accusing chris Eccleston of any weird violent tendencies but his doctor is closer to the time war we learned that he wasn't actually the doctor who fought in that conflict but he's still closer to it and we gradually see consequent doctors try and remove themselves from that violent tendency. In The End of Time, for example, David Tennant's last story, 
there's a huge theme of the doctor's morality. He refuses to take Wilfred's gun, even though he knows that it's going to save his life, or he thinks that it's going to save his life. And then he takes it when he finds out that the threat isn't the master, but in fact, the time lords. And so you get through that sudden acceptance that he's going to have to take arms, you get a feel for how threatening the time lords are. And so that really builds up their return as a species. And then Matt Smith's doctor, you have him. Do we ever see him with a gun? I feel like there'll be a moment that addresses it. Uh, maybe he's offered one in flesh and bone or something like that. I, I doubt it would go the entire series without being mentioned. Hmm. But even in that, his darkness comes with his rage that's concealed under his wit and when he's calmly speaking. Yeah, have you got any more standout moments to share with us? Well, just the final section, really. I'm sure you'll have stuff to say about this too. I really like the character of the controller and the scenes with her work really well. Her whisperings of lines such as, my masters, they fear the Doctor. And this build-up to the Daleks that you get is chilling. Yeah, I like the concept of the controller, I think. It's definitely a standout of this episode to me and the explanation of why they're on the ship I think works really well. It's quickly explained, um, it's quite simple of this character we do feel sorry for but I feel like that's going too far into the character section. It's just executed very well I think this finale, especially the speech the Doctor spiels at the Daleks when he's talking about how they're scared because he has no weapons and no plan and he's still threatening to them. He says, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rescue her. I'm going to save Rose Tyler from the middle of the Dalek fleet, and then I'm going to save Earth, and then, just to finish it off, I'm going to wipe every last stinking Dalek out of the sky. And then the Daleks go, but you have no weapons, no defence, no plan, mate. And he says, yeah, and doesn't that scare you to death? I think that's such a good moment of just the relationship between the Daleks and the Doctors, that the Daleks are scared of him, even though there's half a million of them, and just this one guy with no weapons. And just the anger you see in him when he goes, every last stinking Dalek, I think was a really strong moment for me. Did the Daleks really call him mate? Was that in the script? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was in the original script, but during editing they cut it out, because, yeah, there you go. I would just like to add one more thing onto that before we go on to characters and say that the reveal of the Dalek fleet itself right before that speech from the Doctor is, for want of a better word, very cool how you, we're zoomed in, we're focused on one Dalek saucer, if you like, probably not the correct term, and then we zoom out and we see like the 200 ships or however many there are and the fact that we see their spacecraft before we see them builds up their enigma even further. It's a very good reveal and very exciting. No, I think what works so well about this reveal is that you see just a couple of Daleks and you're like, oh, there's Daleks, that's bad news. And then the Doctor's talking about, ah, oh, who's got Rose, blah, blah, blah. And we know the answer. We know it's the Daleks. But then the surprise is just how many there are. So it starts of opening with this threat and then it builds to such a big scale of it 
like we're used to just seeing one earlier in the series and that's all we know and then you show this many and we know how much destruction this one dalek caused and we go oh no that ain't no good unless rose touches all of the daleks and then they decide they're too human and all kill themselves that could have been a possibility but yet again another episode from this series has given an extra level of significance from what we've learned in Dalek of their species, we apply that understanding to this episode and every scene that we see with the Daleks and therefore the amount of them now is much more terrifying for seeing what the impact of one Dalek is. That's half the reason why Dalek works so well of setting up this threat but only showing us one of them that is still capable of killing so many people and then they show us loads literally every other time since the episode that it kind of just works well as establishing this villain but we're not here to talk about that episode that's very true but this episode bad wolf the one we're meant to be discussing is very good at giving previous episodes an extra dose of meaning yeah and i think it is time to move on to our next section are you ready i'm andrea This is the section of the podcast where we go through every character from A to Z, but we don't go from A to Z. We go from most significant to least significant or just whatever we feel like. And every week we start with the same character. And that character, my friends from around the world who are listening to this, is Doctor Who. That's his name. Ignore what Andrew says. It's opposite day. He's not called Doctor Who for the last flipping time seen. I will make your mum put you on the naughty step. I don't know where I was going with that. What did you think of the Doctor in this episode? Yeah, again, great stuff from Christopher Eccleston. One of my favourite Doctors, if not my favourite one. He's so nice to Linda. He's so angry over the Daleks. And when Rose dies and he works so well with Captain Jack, I think there's not a weak moment that involves this man I could give him a big old kiss if I if he was here with me right now. Thank goodness he isn't then, because he would be in shock. I can only reiterate what you said, so I'm not going to take much time up with it. Oh, whoops, I already have. But it's a great episode where all of his emotions are encompassed in one performance. And I think this and the parting of the ways finishes off his time as Doctor really effectively and makes you want more from him. Yeah, the next character we talk about is the Rose. I think, controversial opinion, and I've kind of said this a few times throughout Series 1, and I'm starting to think if it is something we kind of ignore, because when we think of Rose, we think of Series 2. I think at times she's a bit thick in this episode just pretty stupid and i said very similar things in father's day and i think that was my main complaint about another very good episode of how she's just just in the weakest link section she's just seems so out of it and kind of just along for the ride and just enjoying herself and so excited when she gets 258 minus 158 and it's just i don't know why i think she appears dumb in this episode she just kind of does to me i don't know if you could explain my thoughts to me please thank you 
I'm not sure anyone in your life will ever be capable of that. But I will say that I think that what you perceive as dumbness, I perceive, yes, she is slightly thick, although that sounds really harsh using that particular word. I think I find it funny, whereas you don't see that as an appealing quality of series one rose i do understand more so with father's day it is definitely worse than father's day but i think here that it works for me i find her funny i think that other than comedy she's not really present yeah she's not really present in this episode although saying that contradicting myself straight away she does through her shock at fitch's death we understand the claustrophobic intense and terrifying nature of the weakest link and then obviously she's sort of dead or not dead but believed to be dead for a bit of it so we don't really see her there but her absence allows the doctor and captain jack to flourish in their characters because they're grieving and that takes us nicely on to captain jack and i'd like to say that my standout moment for him which i didn't mention is when rose dies and the doctor is being restrained by the soldiers. And although you can't really hear it because the music takes over and it's a very effective use of sound there, Jack's distant shouting at everyone, holding them at gunpoint, he shouts, you killed her, you killed her with your, with your freak show game or something like that. I'm paraphrasing a bit. It's an emotional response which we don't really get to see from his character until now. And so our appreciation of his character is heightened here and we also get to see him at his most flirtatious and comedic in the scenes with Trini and Susanna the robots and he's just super badass as well he's the great accomplice to to the doctor in this episode in the absence of Rose. I'm gonna go out there and say I think this is my favourite captain jack episode of doctor who because i don't know if i've said this in the past but i think captain jack works so much better with chris not so much better i think captain jack works a lot better with chris reckleston than he does with david tennant i'm not saying there's a problem there i just think it works better here because captain jack's the cool guy he's the spock so rose likes to say even though that's incorrect and the Doctor's more of the straight-laced, kind of um, simple, down-to-earth guy, where I think later on David Tennant definitely has a lot of elements of cool in him that does work well with Captain Jack, but I prefer the contrast we have between these two characters here. And I think this is also the best we see of like a friendship between the two, because later on, at the end of Series 3, you have the issues with Captain Jack fighting with his own mortality or lack thereof and the doctor abandoning him in the next part where there seems to be some friction there it's less of a jovial relationship where it is here i think this might be the best captain jack episode for me that's very interesting stance i might agree but to be honest i've never really thought about it before but maybe i will when we see him again in series three yeah maybe in all those weeks and months time the next character i would like to talk about is linda with a y linda moss i'm not gonna mention the other linda because i don't think we have enough information on her apart from 
why were you damaging property if you knew it was going to get you killed? That's pretty of a stupid thing to do. Okay, Linda with a Y. I'm really disappointed she didn't become a companion, and that's not because she's a strong character and is sweet, because she is, but I'm just fed up, I've mentioned this before, of modern-day companions. I would have liked to have someone from the year 200, 100 to join in the TARDIS just at any point in this show's revival, but apparently they all have to be from modern day Earth. That is very true. Well, I'm just trying to establish in my in my mind if I prefer her character because she has such a tragic ending in The Passing of the Ways and because she doesn't become a companion. If that's why I'm so attached to her and if there wasn't that complex would I mind as much that she's not a companion well I think you'd have to see her as a companion because obviously she's a very good character I don't mean this as an insult I just feel like it's kind of because she isn't in a lot but in a way she's a two-dimensional character because we don't see a lot of her so I think if we saw her as a companion, she'd be a lot more fleshed out. But I'm not saying that's a critique of the episode. You couldn't have made a character as likable with everything else that's going on this episode and the amount of screen time she has. Mm, that's fair enough. I really like Linda. I think she's a very simplistic character and it's her simplicity that draws us towards her. I think that she's a really big contrast to Rose, which is interesting because... Arguably, although Rose is maybe a bit sassier than her, well, you could say that Rose and Linda are both products of their environment, whether it's 2005 London or the year 200-100. They're both into their telly. I can imagine that Linda would like a first date with chips. So there are slight similarities with Rose from the episode Rose and Linda from Bad Wolf but Rose has already become a different character from the one we were introduced to and so Linda acts as almost a foil character of her there a contrasting character yeah knowing bloody Linda she doesn't want a first date with chips she wants a first date with Mr Chips from Catchphrase (laughs) I win that's great wow I don't have any other characters to talk about. The controller, I've said, is an interesting concept, and I think she works well in this episode. And her death is quite sad, but I don't think we see enough of anything apart from... So I can't really compliment anything apart from the concept. I think that I would have liked to see the relationship between her and the Daleks explored more. I'm not saying that that's realistic because this episode is packed with stuff already. But if there had been an opportunity for it, I would have loved to see how she interacts with them more and learn more about her story because the Daleks have enslaved a blind child for pretty much all of her life. And she defies them. Her last act is bringing their destruction and she takes great glory in that, almost taking on a martyr-like role. Yeah, I agree completely. Do you think it's time to move on to the most pretentious section of the podcast? I think we should.
in this section of the podcast, screenwriter Andrea tells us how she would improve this episode if she was in charge. And one day she will be. Take it away, Andrea. Thank you. That's very sweet of you. Now, the most pretentious section of the podcast is actually quite short today because I found very little to follow. A bit like the host of it, because for our listeners who don't know her personally, Andrea stands at a whopping five foot one inches tall. Excuse me. At my tallest, I'm five three, and at my shortest, I'm five two. So I am nowhere near five one. How dare you? I said f- I was going to say five two as a joke, thinking you were taller than that. Wow, that hurts a lot. I'm going to move on and just try and get over the tears. So my first improvement is this: when the doctor recalls what happened. To him, Rose, and Captain Jack in the TARDIS, when the transmat beam somehow broke through the defences of the TARDIS. I feel like the effect is particularly naff. Yeah, that's a very good improvement. I had a problem with this moment too. This is my normal speaking voice. What is your next improvement, Andrea? Thank you for asking. My second and final improvement for this section It's the unnecessary touching up that Jack does to Zuzanna, the robot. Why the section would have been much better without that. You get that he's flirting with them. You don't need him to caress the curves of the robot. Unnecessary. Cut it out. John, keep your hands away. Is that all of your improvements for this episode? That is the most pretentious section of this podcast done for the day. Well, then let's go to the next section or I'll kill myself. This is the rating section of the podcast where every week I explain the rating system. And I'm starting to think our listeners are doing it on purpose to annoy me because every week they ask me how the rating system works. And every time I have to explain it, okay, we rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 13. One being the worst, 13 being the best, because there are 13 Doctors. But we are no way saying that the first Doctor, may God rest his soul, is the worst. And we're not saying that the 13th Doctor is the best. There's also one decimal place to be awarded, and that's a, and that's a John Hurt, a.k.a. a War Doctor, a.k.a. an 8.5. What have you rated this episode out of 13? One being the worst, 13 being the best, because there are 13 Doctors. We're no way indicating the first doctor is the worst now, the okay i think i think they got it okay i gave this episode the highest rating that i've given any episode thus far i gave it an 11 out of 13 wowzers any point deducted or you deducted for your two improvements that is exactly what i did and they're still minor improvements but i know that there are episodes that i love even more so i have to leave some room Well, this is going to get awkward real quick because I rated this episode an 8.5. I feel like the fundamental difference here is we're finding different stuff funny. I think it's a good episode, but it's not stand out to me. It's not one I would go to rewatch first if I was rewatching episodes from this series. That's that's fair enough. I'll I'll try I'll try and live. I'll, I'll try and think of a way to present this podcast for you next week without wanting to smash your face in no i'm fine it's fine it's cool yeah (laughs) we're allowed different opinions and that's what makes us interesting as a partnership of pod 
that's what we are a partnership of pod and yes it is actually much more interesting if there are differences although it's quite interesting that this episode is by far the most divisive between you and me we've often been quite close in our ratings yeah we've got lots of similar ratings so this is a 2.5 difference in rating for those who are not as mathematically gifted as roses at the start of the weakest link game Whereas our second biggest difference is, in fact, for the long game, where I rated it a three and you rated it a five. That was just because I was being kind and you were being cruel. (laughs) That episode deserves a three. Like, maybe this episode might deserve... You know what? It deserves a nine. I'm changing my rating. (gasps) This has never happened before. The long game does deserve a three because that is crap and I hate it. And if I ever meet Russell T. Davis, I'll punch him in his big, lovable face. I won't. But you know what? It's a good episode. I think it does deserve a nine. I just, I feel like I felt more negative towards this episode than I actually am because you're so positive, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you just want to beat my arguments down or politely contrast. I can't work out which. I think we shall say goodbye now. Wow, what a time to end the podcast. Please join us next week for the season finale, although it isn't our season finale because we will be doing a series wrap-up episode. But join us next week talking about parting of the ways and then one episode after that we will, unfortunately, part ways. And please do go follow us on all sorts of social media if indeed you have enjoyed listening to me talk sense and Dean talk insane shenanigans. We are on Instagram at at chattywattypod. We have an email, chattywattypod at gmail.com. So please do send us in your thoughts, suggest future topics for us to discuss, and let us know what you're thinking about things that we've said in this podcast. And of course, we are on Anchor FM, so go follow us at chattywatty there. And again, just to reiterate what Dean has said, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, what a lovely time we've all shared in the last hour and a half or so. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.